Good morning and welcome to today's PSA programming here on KNCI, KZZO, KYMX, and KHGK. Operated by Bonneville International, I'm Cody Robinson. My first guest is Leah Burdick with Pride Industries. She's here to discuss Pride Industries and Autism Awareness Month. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourself and provide a little background on what you do? Hi, I'm Leah Burdick, the Chief Growth Officer of Pride Industries, uh, which is a social enterprise that creates employment for people with disabilities and offers business services. So I oversee parts of sales, marketing, the proposal department. We also have uh, the Michael Ziegler Pride Industries Foundation, which raises money uh, for things like internships, job coaching, assistive technology, um, and other supports for folks with disabilities to succeed in the workplace. Um, I also develop partnerships with community and local organizations to help um, grow the mission. Oh, fantastic. Now, many people in the Sacramento region are familiar with the name Pride Industries. Can you give our listeners some history and a more detailed explanation of who you are? Yes. Today, um, as I said, we're a social enterprise. That means that we offer business services to fuel the mission. So some of it is funded through donations, but the the lion's share is through the services we provide to companies. Um, today, we're in 16 states plus D.C. We have you know, manufacturing, kitting and fulfillment services. We offer full facilities management services, everything to run a building. And then we also do some community places, workers in the community, placing them um, you know, in roles that are equally beneficial to the employer and the person. But it's a great story because it started in 1966 at a church in Auburn. Parents who had adult children with intellectual disabilities were very concerned about what's going to happen to our our children when we pass. How are they going to take care of themselves? How are they going to make money? And so they started Pride Industries just, um, you know, with people working on assembling small things at card tables. (laughs) So we've grown quite a bit since. and continue to grow. Oh, I love this so much. Now, the term disability covers a lot of conditions. Talk about how unique and varied Pride Industries employees are. Well, and and this is what's important for employers, right? They might say, well, we don't um, employ people with disabilities. And I'd say, yes, you you do. You're just not aware of it. They're not communicating it to you because they may have concerns about bias, right? Right. I mean, certainly there is visible disability, which we know folks, um, you know, that hearing loss, blind visual impairment, perhaps they use a cane or a wheelchair, cerebral palsy, multiple sclerosis. But then there's a lot of invisible disabilities, Um, dyslexia, ADHD, dysgraphia, depression, anxiety disorder, you know, PTSD even. Yeah. But what we tell people is, you know, disability is a, it's the, the largest minority group and it's something that we all can become part of at any time in our life without notice. Definitely worthwhile for companies to accommodate folks with disabilities in their workplace and help them thrive. Now talk about the challenges people with disabilities face when it comes to finding employment. First and foremost, the lack of awareness of how to create kind of an environment and a hiring process that is friendly to people with disabilities and doesn't inadvertently screen out And what I'm talking about here is particularly with, you know, it's Autism Awareness Month this month, you know, and then other neurodivergent such as, you know, ADHD or, um, 
but mainly mainly autism that's a growing population of people and um, when you think about hiring process you know we're, we've been trained like somebody's got to come in and look you in the eye and give you a firm handshake and be really good at icebreaker chit chat when some folks with on the autism spectrum they um, are uncomfortable with eye contact and shaking hands. Um, you know, they may have some sensory issues to take into consideration um, in hiring or even the workplace, you know, such as overstimulation, having a quieter space, things like, you know, even smells, marker on whiteboard, things like that, that we kind of help companies understand how to make, how to make the hiring process and workplace more accommodating for different people with disabilities. Um, but certainly that bias and overcoming that, we see, you know, diversity and inclusion is wonderful and I'm and we're very thrilled to see how it's um, become more and more common in workplaces to recognize that there are things that need to be done to make the workplace more accommodating for all people. But inclusion tends to be kind of secondary. And so we just want uh, for, of people with disabilities. And so we, we are really trying to um, drive home the message that this is a terrific group of people ready and willing to work to consider in your talent plans. Now, April is Autism Awareness Month. Can you talk about the misconceptions employers may have about hiring someone with autism? Well, autism is on a spectrum. And a big misconception that employers have is that all people with autism are outstanding at technology, right? You know, we have Sheldon um, from that popular television show that is mm-hmm. escaping me the name right now, and, and, or, or that they're, they have really high support needs and it would be difficult to, to be in the workplace. But it's on a spectrum. People have different, different needs. And so that, that's one of the um, misconceptions that it's about um, – aligning the person with, we do person-centered placements, right? What the person wants, but also how it matches a role in your organization. And often too, the misconception, like this is the job description, we can't change it. And often we see we can help design job descriptions for roles. People with disabilities and and autism in particular can, can do the job you know, maybe it's removing, like we've had people in the community who've done well working in a grocery store, and perhaps they, they remove, like, the responsibility of the to-go bags. And then they've worked in that role for, you know, 10, 15 years doing great, but the one thing that perhaps they struggled with, they just reassigned elsewhere or designed it into a different job, and, you know, were able to kind of fill a role with a person that they've retained for a long time. So it's just the the misconception of, I think, being kind of dug into, like, this is the typical way that we've always done things, Mm -hmm. and being receptive to looking at alternative ways to just be a little bit flexible to accommodate. Now, there are a lot of moving parts under the name Pride Industries. Can you talk about your lines of business? Yes, um, we have manufacturing, logistics, and supply chain, um, HP being one of our largest customers in the supply chain area. They've been a customer for 20-some years. Um, you know, we, we ship out parts around North America and South America for HP, and we've been doing that for a long time. We also assemble a lot of medical devices. We package food. Um, we do kitting and fulfillment. So that's one line of business. We also have facilities management. So complete everything from, you know, 
custodial to um, engineering, HVAC in a building, um, the landscaping. Taking, like, for example, we run Fort Bliss, um, which is a large military base in El Paso, Texas, where anything that a soldier isn't doing, we're doing to run the base. So we have a lot of clients locally. Uh, you know, we do work for SMUD and VSP. Um, we also have some work. We have in local community placements, sometimes in groups of people that work together, um, integrated with the workforce um, that exists. We have a group that does laundry at Thunder Valley. And as I mentioned, we have a lot of people placed in, um, you know, just different companies around around the region um, working. So, so there's quite, a, quite a, an array there. Now, when companies hire a Pride Industries employee, what kind of support do they receive? Well, certainly it depends on the employee needs, but we do have job coaches who accompany our employees. Um, usually they um, may need to be there just the first couple of weeks to help onboard the employee and make sure that they're comfortable in the role, help train them, you know, and get them to a great, you know, to the desired level of productivity. Um, And that, like I said, we see maybe one or two weeks more time than the typical is required, but our people tend to stay in jobs longer uh, because when you haven't been given a chance and then all of a sudden you can have a job and earn a paycheck and be part of the community, that. We see a lot of loyalty with that. Um, So job coaching first and foremost, but we do have a lot of upfront training, preparation, job interview skills. Um, And then we work with the individuals, our employees, to see kind of regularly, you know, how how it's going. You know, so we're always checking in with them as well. And we communicate with their families. We can help them get transportation to and from work. Um, So that's just some examples of how we help our employees with disabilities succeed. Now, what do companies have to say about the quality and caliber of Pride Industry employees? Well, we hear a lot from employers how the Pride Industry employees are just, you know, beloved employees within an organization. Um, you know, in Thunder Valley, I, they'll talk about, you know, they've got the the area, the cafeteria area and how much people enjoy, you know, interacting and making friends with, you know, Pride Industries employees and um, that they're, like I said, the, the loyalty, the, the kind of happiness and enthusiasm when coming to work. You know, I've seen it where, uh, you know, people are so excited, they'll come up and show you, like, here's my iPhone bill that I paid with my own, my own money, or I was able to get my own apartment. So just that, that enthusiasm, it kind of spreads to the other employees, but also employees like working for companies that are giving back to the community and giving people a chance. Why should companies consider hiring people with disabilities through Pride Industries? People with disabilities, it's a, it's a very large untapped resource of candidates. People who everyone has talent, everyone has something to contribute. And this group has just been overlooked. And there are misconceptions about accommodation, that it might be expensive. or, I mean, most accommodations are free. And then that's like 50%. There's been studies like of all accommodations, 50% are free and 50% are under like $500 typically. Right. Right. Um, I mean, it can be as much as having just a quiet room. So someone who tends to be overstimulated 
can take a break and go work from there instead of in a space that's loud or noisy or has buzzing clocks. Yeah. Um, it can be as easy as just, uh, you know, a schedule accommodation, you know, in an era where we're seeing, um, you know, the labor force, there's more and more competition for candidates, fewer people to fill roles. This is, a, you know, including people with disabilities in your plans just makes sense. Pride Industries has a job helpline specifically for people with disabilities. Could you tell us about it? Yes, um, the I Am Able helpline, 844-I-AM-ABLE. When I joined, you know, we found that we'd get messages from the website and people would call and they'd say things like, you know, my son has a learning disability and he's graduating from high school or, you know, he has autism, graduating from high school soon and I don't know what to do. I, I don't know how to get him a job or, you know, I'm a, I'm a veteran and uh, I worked for many years in in this space and now I'm kind of struggling and, and I can't find, find work or I had a traumatic, traumatic brain injury after working in such and such field and now I can't work there anymore. What can I do? And we realized, you know, there needs to be a resource that people can call and that where they get the full scope of the different education on what resources are available to them, you know, in the community, from the government, um, getting them into training, and then placement. Getting them in, it's, it helps get them onto the path to meaningful employment. And some people are, are ready when they call. Some people don't even realize the service is available, so they start there first. But there just was no, it was just difficult for people to find um, access to information and support. So that's what our helpline provides. I understand that the I Am Able job helpline is funded by the Michael Ziegler Pride Industries Foundation. Can you talk about this organization and about the other types of services it funds? Oh, yes. Well, Michael Ziegler was our CEO for 30 plus years, and he was beloved, and he dedicated his life to creating employment for people with disabilities. So, you know, there are just some services that aren't covered through our business services and through people being placed in employment. You know, things like assistive technology, um, transportation, some of the internships we create with companies to place people so that the the employee and the employer see if it's a, a right fit. You know, as mentioned, the, the, the helpline is a big one. And then we're also now um, having some having a disability job fair in October that we're very excited about that, you know, we'll be able to promote to people on the, who call in the helpline, but it's also going to help um, raise money to continue to fund our helpline. Anything that is kind of, that helps a person succeed in a, in a role is funded through the help, or I'm sorry, through the, the foundation that isn't covered by, like, our, as I said, our, our business services. How can individuals help support the programs that Pride Industries offers? Well, um, if you have a disability or you know somebody with one, encourage them to call our help helpline, 844-I-AM-ABLE. Um, or certainly uh, the big day of giving is coming up um, in May, early May. So please consider donating to the Michael Ziegler Pride Industries Foundation. And if you're in a place to influence hiring in your organization, you know, um, you know, contact us if you would like some some information of how to present that, or you know, please, you know, include people with disabilities in your hiring plans.
How can businesses find out more about hiring people with disabilities through Pride Industries? They can go to our website, prideindustries.com, and um, fill out. We have different web forms, and when they complete that, we typically reply within 24 to 48 business hours. Now, if someone with a disability who wants to work is listening, or someone who knows somebody in this situation, what would you want to say to them? Well, I'd want to say that, um, you know, you may have faced some bias in the past or, you know, felt stressful or anxious about joining the workforce um, or re-entering the workforce. We want you to know that we, we encourage you to call us, learn about what's available to you, um, you know, what supports there are so that we can help you get on a path to meaningful employment and creating a, a, an independent life. Great. Thank you so much for doing this. That was Leah Burdett with Pride Industries. If you would like more information on what we discussed today, visit prideindustries.com. That's prideindustries.com. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to public affairs and care of this station. My next guest is Justine Fisher with Cal Hope School Initiative. She's here to discuss what that is and the free resources available to schools and school communities. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourself and provide a little background on what you do? My name is Justine Fisher, and I am the community director for the Cal Hope Schools Initiative. And my role is to um, encourage schools and educational organizations and groups to utilize these free, amazing resources that are provided through CalHOPE um, to answer questions and support them and support the partners who are creating uh, the films and materials and resources for the CalHOPE Schools Initiative. Great. And for those who might not know, what is CalHOPE? So CalHOPE, which is part of the Department of California's Department of Healthcare Services, is an outreach portion of that organization that began during the pandemic when we were noticing that so many people were having mental health challenges and some crisis and some trauma. And so CalHOPE was formed, and it was originally formed with Crisis Line. And then as we started to see more and more the need and more and more communities for different challenges, CalHOPE moved into creating many other programs that support mental well-being, mental health, especially for youth, but for also for adults and other community members. Now, what is CalHOPE Schools Initiative and why was it created? So CalHOPE Schools Initiative was created to specifically support educators and youth and the educational community. What we know from the pandemic was, you know, that was a kind of a point in time that no one was prepared for. No one really knew how to handle, and it was quite stressful for youth and educators. It was very isolating um, because obviously schools are pretty social places in many ways or group places. And so the school's initiative was created so that educators and families and students within the public school system had easy one-point access um, for materials and resources to support youth and educators and families both in the school and at home. Now, why is there still concern with mental well-being and mental health in schools? And what are we seeing post-pandemic? So interestingly, I mean, This was kind of a global trauma, if you will, if you understand in the sense of the fear of not knowing and so many people in some way knowing someone or knowing someone who lost someone 
um, during the pandemic, that kind of plays out on all of us in a way, especially for younger people, right? All of our adult lives are shaped by our childhood and um, teen experiences. And so this is like a marker um, the pandemic was for so many youth and children, um, that fear of not knowing, the fear of concern about being ill or maybe a family member was ill or they lost a family member or family members lost a job. I mean, these are traumatic crisis points. And so we don't just turn on and off as human beings. We kind of have to cope through this, through you know, ongoing. And so with that, schools are seeing and, you know, continue to see students really still trying to navigate all of that um, and come through that in a healthy way so that they can continue to learn and be productive and positive in their life and in their schoolwork. Yeah, absolutely. When CalHOPE says no cost and no catch for CA public schools, does that mean that the resources are freely available for use and who can access them? Yeah, so that's the best part of this whole thing, free, um, because we do know that our schools do struggle. They do have a lot of financial challenges and a lot of financial need. So um, the resources are available to all public schools, public school districts, county offices of education, students, families, organizations that support schools or support youth within the school, and there isn't any cost. You can just access all of the films all of the resources, all of the accompanying materials. Um, It's kind of a one-stop shop. You just make an account at calhopeschools.org, and then you're able, you get a code, and you're able to revisit that um, website with that code. You're able to share that code with people in your school community so that everyone has access to these materials. Now, how can listeners access the resources, and can they share them with their school or school community? Yeah, so super easy and so shareable. Just share away. So what can you just get in that um, website? You get your code. You go in and you say, hey, I'm going to watch this today. Wow, I found a great resource. I watched one of the films or I watched, um, I looked at one of the professional development options or the workbooks or whatever was accessible. And I want to share this with my cohort. I want to share this with my principal. I want to share this with my families. And you say, hey, here's the code. You get to use this too. So it's really, really easy um, to sign up, to navigate, and then to please share. Um, These are materials that are best shared among our colleagues um, and our school communities and our families. Now, what type of support is there for utilizing the resources? So we do have a weekly office hour that you can sign up for and talk to um, someone. If you have some questions about how to utilize the materials or or what to access them, there is a contact um, on the website that goes directly to me so I can answer any questions. Um, If you're having a technical issue with the website, there is a contact for a tech person who's happy to jump on and help you out. So it's very easy to utilize all of these resources. In the resources, there is a focus on hope and resilience and building trusting relationships and spaces. How is this helpful for school communities? And and what about at home? What we know for all of us as human beings, but especially youth, and how our brains work is that we are creatures that need relationships and groups. 
Yeah. And that trusted relationship, especially for a youth with an adult um, that may be in their family or maybe at school or maybe the bus driver that's taking them to school, um, whatever that, whoever that person is, whoever that trusted relationship is, really helps youth navigate challenges. It really helps them build hope and resilience. It gives us kind of a support system. And while we know that some of our role with youth, um, who educators who work with youth, is to help them gain all of those skills into adulthood so they can manage their own lives. Um, having that person there who's positive, who's helping find that hope, helping them build the resilience for these challenge, challenges are really, really important. And all of these skills and resources that they learn at home and in school, right, are, are what help youth become adults and hopefully in turn become trusted adults for youth that will be in their life later on down the road. Are these resources also available in Spanish? Yeah, they are. They are also available in Spanish. And that is a uh, URL for that is calhopeschools.org slash ES. Or you can just go on the website and it's a little toggle for you to say, I want to go to the Spanish website. These resources support student families and educators' mental health and well-being, but they aren't counseling services, correct? Right. So these are resources to support well-building. Sorry, these are resources to uh, support well-being and to, again, build that hope and resilience we all need so that we can move forward in a positive way. Um, There are other support services and counseling services through the department, uh, the California Department of Healthcare Services, through other agencies, through CalHOPE, but the specifics of the CalHOPE School Initiative is not a counseling service. It is um, a base service that everyone needs in um, supporting our own mental well-being. And understanding, once we understand that kind of base service, who may really need to be reached out to to get further support. Got it. Now, the CalHOPE School Initiative is part of CalHOPE Student Support. What other programs does CalHOPE provide? So CalHOPE has a warm line, which you can connect to um, with peer counselors. Um, They have a a line especially for the First Peoples of California, the First Nation. Um, There is a CalHOPE student support that's part of the um, community of practice that's run through the Sacramento County Office of Ed. There's CalHOPE Courage Awards. There is a lot of things happening in CalHOPE to support our youth, and they're all accessible at calhope.org. And what are the website URLs for CalHOPE School Initiative and CalHOPE? So you can go to calhope.org and it'll take you everywhere. And you can go to calhopeschools.org and it will take you to all the resources that are from the CalHOPE Schools Initiative. Great. Thank you for doing this. That was Justine Fisher with CalHOPE School Initiative. If you would like more information on what we discussed today, visit calhopeschools.org. That's calhopeschools.org. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to Public Affairs and Care of This Station. My next guest is Jackie Bates, organizer of North Sacramento's Homeless Resistance Resource Team, a nonprofit dedicated to organizing passionate individuals in support of the local homeless population. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourself and provide a little background on what you do? Yes. 
My name is Jackie Bates, and I organize North Sacramento Heart, which is a homeless assistance resource team. It began from my church. Uh, my church is Mount Hermon Baptist Church. We do a school summer program uh, each year from June 18th through probably July 18th, and once last summer, we helped a homeless family came through that had five kids and found out that they were sleeping in the park. And that's when I got introduced to Heart since August 2018 and this year for almost almost a year and really enjoy, I really enjoy just helping people, especially in our communities and our outreach. I just love doing it. And so now that's why I got involved with the HEART team. Do you know how long um, HEART's been in North Sacramento? Well, I just started. I I started it in August 2018. Very nice. And I have a group of about 10 people, which we really need more because in the north area, it's a we have quite a few homeless, and it's all over the city now. Right, but it, we have a great need here in north in the north area. That's the area that we that we service is the North Sacramento area, and it's a large area mm-hmm. uh, that we serve because we go all the way out to Antelope, we go to Rio Linda, uh, and over into North Natomas area also. And that, it's a big area, and we need a lot of people. So who does HEART help? Obviously the homeless. Who do we help? We help we help the homeless, and we help those that are in transition. When we say transition, you know, with the uh, rent uh, increasing, we, what we have seen now, especially in the last three months, a lot of people, a lot of families are, don't have no place to stay because they can't afford their rent. Yeah. So that's so what we. That's why we have the heart, and what we do in heart, we have resources, uh, information that's available to them. We have when we get a referral, and mostly our referrals come from a navigator. We work along with Sacramento Self-Help Housing, okay. and they supply us with a navigator. And in HART, we we have several areas in uh, HART. It's uh, HART in Fair. Um, we have Citrus Heights HART, Rancho, Elk Grove, Fulsom, and we have one in Arden Arcade also. So what so what they do, each one of those have a navigator. And so what if a navigator meets someone and they interview them and see if they if they're willing to go through the process because it is a process. We just don't up and help just in it's a process. They have to be willing to want to get better. Right. And so when a family comes to us, especially with those children, uh, we go immediately into action uh, because we really want to get the families off the streets. Right. Because they have just transitioned 
from a permanent housing to homeless because they couldn't afford the rent. They didn't have enough to eat to meet the obligation. So they'll go sleep in their cars. Oh, yeah. And so that's what we find, give them the resources and the navigator goes and interviews them and and go get them help. When we say resources, we have a list of different places to go where we can refer them to. And if they need a ride, heart goes right in that. That navigator, get the word out, we need some help. Somebody needs to go to DMV, get the ID card. Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to go to a, a doctor's appointment. They already have a doctor, but they need to go to a doctor's appointment. We get them there to their doctor's appointment. Oh, that's great. Yes. And also when we say families, we in the kids in school, uh, our school district, we work with the school district. We work with Twin Rivers and we Realinda. And in the school district, uh, they keep a list with uh, kids that are homeless. Okay. And and when you say the word homeless, it's that homeless is not that they're all sleeping on the street. The families are misplaced and they're sleeping with other family members. they couch sleeping. Mm. They're sleeping on the floor with friends. And the kids don't have a permanent housing. Right. And so what it realizes that if kids don't have a safe place to sleep or permanent housing, they don't do well in school. Right. So working with the school district to help get referrals from them and get the kids in in uh and their family in permanent housing. How do you help individuals find housing? Okay. So first they have to sign up. They first have to sign up and be registered in the state as a homeless person, all right? Mm-hmm. That's for the homeless, for the people that had transitioned out of living in an apartment or house or somewhere and they get kicked out. Uh, we get them signed up through Sacramento Self-Help Housing. So once they sign up with them, they get all their information, they do the interview with them, to see exactly what happened. Then once they pass the interview, next step in in the same department to the people that go find housing. Mm, okay. And immediately, if the situation is just like a transitional, they help them with the transitional by giving them what we call a voucher. Uh, they could go stay in the motel. Mm. Uh maybe get it five for a week stay in the motel. By staying in the motel, they have a, enough space for the family to go live together or, or individual. It depends on the situation. Mm. It de- Everybody don't get the same thing. It depends on the individual situation at the time it is presented. Mm. Once they go through that, then uh, self-help housing, Send them on through the process. They can get a hotel voucher probably real quickly. I mean, they get off the street. They find a place to stay. They don't have to sleep in their car immediately. I mean, they work They work closely with them. Our goal is to make sure that the family is safe. Is the goal to move them into permanent housing through HEART? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Our so what we do in heart, we 
we we looking when the referral per, process. To, you know, some people have different situations like uh, mentally mental health. Yeah, those that have addiction. Some people that don't want help, yeah. but so the people that want help. Let's say, as I was talking before, like transitional, those people just needed some support. So they were living in a permanent uh, situation. Let's say they just lost a job. They can't afford to pay an apartment note right then. So that family, after you uh, interview them, and, and we do the research and see, they have always been in one place, let's say, They've been in one place more than six months. Those people need eligible to go into a permanent housing. Uh, and so when we say go into permanent house, we work with them. They work. Uh, so a team gets with the head of the household, works with them. What was the problem? Was it the car that broke down that you able you lost your job? How did you lose your job? They check into that. But we find somebody that can go help them and refer them to somebody that can get the car fixed so that person can go to work. Our, the objective is to we can find a place to move them into permanent housing. And if they'll be able to subsidize their rent and they it's based on their income, how much they can pay. They have to have some type of income coming in. So let's say uh, somebody is signed up on uh, Social Security, they get food stamp. So how do they use that money? How do they use their money? Do they use it wisely? That's what we go through with the process. And tell us how much how much they spend on food. It's just, you know, not right to the point. But you can do a family average. It's uh, family average, how much is spent on a family. Right. And so how much money do they have left? Do they have enough money to go into housing? All right. Are they eligible to go to work? Can they work? What kind of skills do they have? Uh, if they need to brush up on some skills, we find a place to go ahead and send them to get the proper training that they need to better themselves. Mm-hmm and then find housing for them to go into. Uh, for example, in Citrus Heights, they have a transitional home that they have moved the family in already. This was a testimony, and the lady got a job, and she's striving, and now she's working with the heart, the heart team that helped her. Aww. So the goal is we want to get them into permanent housing, Find a way for them to stay there by giving them their skills, help them find a job, and make sure they have the proper tools to be successful individuals and family as a whole. Gotcha. How do you help in today's high-priced housing market? What's the solution there? (laughs) Now, that's that's a job. It's just hard with the... Uh, finding house. Now, what we do now, uh, we had um, in one of our heart teams, what's that company, Habitat Humanity? Yeah, yeah. I helped build one house. But you have all those supporters, the volunteers that come in to help build the house for them. So 
we try to find houses. Let me tell you, for example, with the houses going on, what we try to do is find houses that uh, some members of our heart team have houses out there. And in Citrus Heights, one member donated a house to them so for them to uh, move a family into. So when we say and help renovate it. But it's just kind of, with the market today, it's just kind of hard. And you just have to kind of stay on top of it. And they're building some low-income homes now, which I think in a couple of years it's going to get better. The housing market here in Sacramento especially, it, it's going to be, be better. But they're building some low incomes now around the city. And heart, we have our eyes on those. Got it. Have you received any feedback, which I'm sure you have, from those you've helped? And, and what do they say? For the winter shelter, is the winter shelter programs that we have that starts in, in December. December, let's say 29, and it goes through March. It is amazing. You can see right there. Uh, when we when I say a winter sanctuary, those people the the people are housed from six o'clock in the evening to six o'clock in the morning. They have a place where they can sleep, and in some areas in our uh, sanctuary, they have a place they can uh, shower. So in some of the areas and wash up, and the people that come there, it's about. 20 to 30 people a house in in about, we have about six sanctuary. So that's uh, what about 100, and let's say about 200 people that are off the street at, at night during the winter. They have a place to go and refresh themselves. They get a full dinner. They have entertainment. We have uh, volunteers that come in and help entertain, feed, help, and clean up. Uh, we have a crew that come and stay overnight, uh, a crew that works from 12 o'clock at night to 6 o'clock at night. And I say crew, this, those are volunteers. And so once, once you have seen these uh, 200 individuals, let's say, two, two years straight, and the navigator works with them. We have at the sanctuary. We have informational booths at the at each sanctuary. Mental health people come in from the ripple effect comes in and talk with individuals to see if they have need some help. We bring the food bank comes in and does a presentation to make sure they get their uh, food stamps or, or we have some fresh vegetables there for them. And you see those same people, those same 200 people came for two years. And out of those 200 people and working with them, they went through the process, like if somebody needed help to get into a housing situation, a house, uh, let's say apartment complex. Okay. They had to go through the process. They can't, they be drug free and they transition to an apartment. They get them all set up for apartment. And we, I have, I've only been in it a year now, but I have helped the other heart team, and I have seen 
some of the people, our guests that came through there have really changed and have moved to a permanent location. And they love it. They love the help. They be ready. They be excited for the help. That's what you want to see. Yeah. Because we have requirements for the winter sanctuary. We uh, we interview them, and they have to meet the requirements. And if they don't meet the requirements, we have to let them go because we have to protect our volunteers. These are volunteers that are working. But I've seen. I know. I've seen one. I've seen one person. Uh, one person that I follow, I think they have moved off the street and into an apartment. And it's so good. And they feel so good about themselves, feel yeah. very good about themselves. We uh, showed them how to uh, give them some, uh, got a, a skill. Oh, don't want to drop no names because, you know, it might end up right. <laughs> embarrass somebody. And we don't want to do that. But gave them some skills, and now they're out working on a uh, a job, earning the money so they can pay for their apartment. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's not much, but it's getting us getting them uh, acclimated back sure. into society to be self sufficient. Absolutely, every yeah. little step counts. I think. Yes. Yes. Yes, and we work hard with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you. Yeah, do. that's a hard, that's a girl. That's a that's a. It's very rewarding. It's a lot of work, but at the end, it's just so rewarding. I love it. Oh, I can only I imagine. It. Honestly, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. So you talked about earlier needing some more volunteers. Um, if so, what would those volunteers be doing if you accept volunteers? Yes, yes, we need volunteers. We need a lot of volunteers. So what the volunteers we do will be doing, uh, for an example, let me give you an example. At the North Sacramento Heart, we uh, this year will be our first year, we want to have a parking lot sanctuary. And what we mean a parking lot sanctuary is that people that have vehicle uh, sleeping in their vehicles will be able to come uh have a have a safe place to park. But they have to have special requirements. No everybody can't come in and park. <laughs> but it's just you have to have meet the requirements. The car got to be registered and all that. So we will have, uh, at, it will be hosted at a church. We collaborate with the, with the churches, uh, the community centers. Uh, we're trying to uh, bring others in, other areas. This is the first time this has happened in Sacramento. Hey, this is new. So at 6 o'clock, they would come to a location, and at that location, we will serve dinner. And that's what we need volunteers for the dinner. We need volunteers to serve the dinners. We need volunteers to prepare food and clean up afterward. Hospitality, we have a little entertainment uh, from from about 6 to 10 o'clock. We just to go around and mingle with our guests that come, come in. So we need volunteers to do that, mm-hmm. and volunteers to clean up. Also, talked about the midnight shift volunteers. We would like to have a man 
and a woman, a team there, man and a woman, uh, in case they have to go to the facilities to use the facilities at night to uh, refresh themselves, have a schedule. The volunteers would open up the door and let them go in and refresh themselves, let's say around about uh, 12 o'clock before it's time to go to bed. Mm-hmm. So we need volunteers for for that. Also, we need volunteers to uh, go and get the food, also to do the shopping uh, for us, too. Uh, We need, so we just talked about this lately. We need need a lot of volunteers (laughs) because we are planning on hosting a parking lot sanctuary, uh, and so... If if we go for about six to eight weeks, that from Sunday through Thursday, that's a lot of days. And that's if we had enough volunteers, let's say I would volunteer, Mondays would be my day to volunteer. If I could just volunteer one day out of the week and have a schedule set up, it wouldn't be a task a lot of people. If we could get our face based community, the business, and, and our assemblymen, our, our district councilmen to all come together and help advertise. Just like you, Cody, yeah. have, you offered to give us a rate, uh, to do an interview with us, to help spread the word. That's uh, how we get uh, our volunteers to step up for yeah. us. Now, if they wanted to get more information on volunteering or signing up, where can they go? So if they wanted to go get some more information, we have a Facebook page out there. It's North Sacramento Heart. Or they can send emails to NorthSacramentoHeart at gmail.com. And do you accept donations? Oh, yes, we do accept donations. And where yes, can one make one? Accept- uh, we're a nonprofit organization. We are a nonprofit organization, and we do accept donations. Since we just started, and we don't have that many, we really, we we really do need donations. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, we do need donations. Yes. Great. So, if anybody would like to make a a, a donation uh, to us, they could tax deductible. And the information is out there on Facebook. They could just join one of our hearts, and they could really come join me. We meet the third Tuesday of each month, 6.30 to 7.30, and we meet at Mount Hermon Baptist Church, 940 North Avenue. At each meeting, we come together every month just to develop and strategize ways we can help with the homeless issues. That's what we do. We have a mentoring service that uh, we we provide. We have someone, uh, another one of our church, uh, when we say a ripple effect, provides a ripple effect, we collaborate with another church that provides that. And what we mean a ripple effect, let's say that someone comes by and they need to use the computer. We have a, com- a computer available that they could go in and use the computer. Oh, uh, 
in the center, they have uh, something to eat. They give them something to eat. They'll be able to go and refresh themselves also. It's called it's called a ripple effect. That they host that, but they're part they're under our Dodd Sacramento Heart Group also. So that's why we come together to serve the people. Thank you. That was Jackie Bates, organizer of North Sacramento's Homeless Resistance Resource Team. If you would like more information on North Sacramento Heart, visit them at sacselfhelp.org. That's sacselfhelp.org. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to Public Affairs and care of this station. My next guest is Dr. Shanisha, volunteer for the American Heart Association and family medicine physician for Dignity Health's Mercy Medical Group. She's here to discuss the American Heart Association's new study on avocados and why they're beneficial to her heart health. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourself and provide a little background on what you do? Absolutely. So my name is Shade Chinichian. I'm a family medicine doctor. I also do functional medicine. I work with Mercy Medical Group and uh, volunteer with American Heart Association. And we do comprehensive primary care for all ages. I want to start by saying Californians love avocados. They're very much a part of who we are. We're the top producer of avocados in the U.S. And, and I've heard, like I'm sure everyone else has, that they have many health benefits, which is why you're here today. The American Heart Association did a study on avocados. And what did they find? So they did a study that found that eating one avocado a day as part of a moderate fat diet resulted in lowering your bad cholesterol or the LDL cholesterol. Um, it, the studies have also shown that people who ate at least one avocado each week had a 16% lower risk of cardiovascular disease and a 21% lower risk of coronary heart disease compared to those who never or rarely ate avocados. Um, also, replacing half a serving daily of unhealthy fats or processed meat like bacon or butter or margarine um, with the same amount of avocados um, has been associated with a 16 to 22 percent lower risk of cardiovascular events, um, which makes avocados a great food to add to a regular diet. And can avocados help you maintain a healthy weight? Yes, because of the amount of fiber that's in them. So they will help keep you full for longer, and that increase in satiety will help maintain a healthy weight. And obesity has been shown to be linked to cardiovascular disease, so that's another way that um, avocados can be helpful for you. I hear the terms good fat or healthy fats thrown around a lot when talking about avocados. What are good fats, and why are they good for us? So we're talking about the monounsaturated fats that are in avocado versus the saturated, unhealthy or bad fats that we find in, you know, margarine or processed meat like bacon, for example. So the difference is the unhealthy fats increase your LDL or the bad cholesterol that gets oxidized and increases plaque buildup in your arteries. And those are the ones that are going to eventually close up that artery and cause a heart attack in cause coronary artery disease, as opposed to the bad fat or the unhealthy fat or the LDL, the HDL or the good or healthy fat are the ones that help um, with your um, circulation and it will help with things kind of be more fluid and prevent buildup of plaque. So it basically offsets the effects of that bad cholesterol. So our goal as physicians when we go and talk about your cholesterol is to boost up that HDL or the good fat and decrease the bad fat. And avocado does both of them, and that's why it's a really awesome addition to your diet. So the American Heart Association has a list of four ways to get good fats in your diet. What are those? 
So there are many different ways. So different ways diet-wise, um, you can get them. So avocados are one. You can get healthy fish like tuna, albacore, salmon, sardines. Um, healthy um, unsalted or raw nuts and seeds are great. They help boost energy, and they also provide those um, healthy fats that we just talked about. It increases protein and fiber. You can incorporate, you know, hazelnuts, pistachios, um, you know, the walnuts, almonds, and then the different seeds, pumpkin seeds, um, sunflower seeds, um, or chia seeds, and you can play around with those. Um, aside from your, and you know, in terms of the diet, just incorporating more healthy fruits and vegetables and anything that's clean, unsalted, more plant-based food um, have been shown to decrease and lower your risk of heart disease. Um, and then along with that, you also want to increase your physical activity um, and make sure that you're exercising regularly, maintaining a healthy weight and avoiding exposure to uh, tobacco products. There's another one. Now, what are the health benefits to simply eating more plant-based foods? So if you're eating enough plant-based food, you're getting a lot of different nutrients. So uh, most of our vitamins and minerals and phytonutrients um, come from these natural sources in basically plants. So if you're getting different colors, incorporating different types of plant-based food, and that's also important, variety is key. So if you're um, having a good amount of like fruits and vegetables and incorporate like 30 different ones in a week, um, that's more beneficial than eating, you know, say lettuce every day for seven days a week. So you want variety in your diet because that also helps with your immune system and your gut health because now your that variety also helps maintaining that, you know, gut bacteria, the healthy bacteria, all of those good things that help with your immune system, your overall well being um, and, you know, your cardiovascular. Now, you mentioned gut health, which is another term thrown around a lot these days. And I hear avocados are good for that. So why is that? And what is gut health? So your gut health is basically your gut is built up of different kinds of bacteria. Um, and those bacteria can lead to your, you know, microbiome, which is building your immune system. Um, avocados help balance those, create some good bacteria there and um, keep your microbiome balanced. And it's one of those healthy um, foods that will help with that. So if you have a balanced microbiome and a healthy gut bacteria um, or bacteria group, then you're likely to have a stronger immune system because most of your immune system is in your gut. Um, and that is very useful um, part, you know, have benefit of having avocados in your diet. Now, where can listeners get more information on what we discussed today? The American Heart Association has great resources. Um, they have great recipes that incorporate avocados um, and also more information about how to have, a, you know, heart healthy diet, heart healthy lifestyle and um, how to be, you know, mindful and work on prevention as well. Great. Thank you. That was Dr. Shanishan, volunteer for the American Heart Association and family medicine physician for Dignity Health's Mercy Medical Group. If you would like more information on what we discussed today, visit heart.org. That's heart.org. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to Public Affairs and Care of This Station. There's a place to share the joy of your team winning it all and a place to share a laugh about skiing and taking a fall. There's a place to share photos of pets or singing in the choir or the time you ate a pepper and your mouth was on fire. But we could all be better at sharing how we're feeling inside. 76% of employees have struggled with at least one issue that affected their mental health. When you share, you're not alone. Ask about your company's emotional health benefits. Visit heart.org slash sharing. Brought to you by the American Heart Association. 
Here's a handy tip to help you have a great looking yard. Check the soil with a moisture meter before you run your sprinklers. You'll have healthier plants and make every drop count. More WaterWise tips and information at BeWaterSmart.info.